Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, Doylestown campus, and good morning to everyone who is worshiping online and watching this broadcast. You know, I heard something while I was sitting here in the service. The Holy Spirit whispered to my spirit, and this is what God said to me. He said, tell them if you change how you think, it'll change how you live. I had to sit down and write it at the top of my notes. Again, if you change how you think, it'll change how you live. You feel like you're in a rut? You feel like you're doing things that you don't want to do because you don't know if there's anything else you can do? Then you're in a rut. You know, it's time to break out, amen? But if we change how we think, It'll change how we live. And that's why Scripture says, renewing our minds with the Word of God. I've seen depressions cured 100% through the Word of God changing the way people think. People who have had life addictions feeling that there's no way of escape. I've seen them break out and walk in freedom because they change the way they think. Renewing our minds with the Word of God. Amen? So everybody, open up your Bibles on your device, in your hands. If you need a loner, there are many in the rear of the auditorium. We're going to begin by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Paul says, In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day. Of salvation. Everybody say now. now. Today I want to focus on, and you're going to write these things down, God's promise. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this house. You inhabit the praise of your people, and you honor your word. So we honor your word, we lift it up, and we thank you, Lord God, that you're going to renew our minds. You're going to change the way we think so we can change the way we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Do you know throughout the Bible, God's promises are always, always in the present tense. Sometimes we pray looking for the future, but the Word of God is always in the present tense. There are a few examples of this all throughout Scripture. Let me give one or two right now. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. Do not fear, this was Elijah speaking to his servant, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I emphasize two words, who are. Those who are, present tense. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. He was, past tense, it's already done, that means it's in, it means it's in the presence, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, here it is, say it, we are healed. Present tense. Romans 8, 37. Look at the first two words. Read them with me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, here it is, 
He is, say it, he is. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 1 John 4, 4. He who is, present tense, is greater. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Final example, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. The presence and the promises of God are always in the present tense. Did you know when it comes to the promises of God, there are over 7,000, 7,000 promises throughout Scripture, and each of them are now promises. But when adversity hits, this is when people are tempted to doubt, to give up, let go, release the promise that they've been holding on to. And again, it's that present tense. If you're out in a boat and the boat capsizes and then you're in the water and then out of the boat comes a life preserver, you don't need a life preserver in the future. Well, I'll be okay if one day I have a life preserver. You need it in the present tense right now. And the promises of God are not only our armor, but they're also what preserve our lives. And that's important to understand. And when we grasp hold of that, again, it'll change the way we think, and it'll realize itself by changing the way we live, which is why if we're going to step into that dynamic, it's imperative to understand first God's timing. William B. Sprague, he said this when he spoke about the issue and the topic of God's timing. He says, do not wait to strike until the iron is hot, but make it hot by striking. Let me say it again. Do not wait to strike until the iron is hot, but make it hot by striking. This is what Paul, the apostle, was emphasizing in 2 Corinthians 6.2, our text. He says, I tell you, now is the time. Present tense. He's speaking, again, about a call to action right now. When an emergency arises, you don't say to yourself, let's say you have a pipe that breaks in your home. You say, you know what, one day I'm going to take care of that, that leaky pipe. If you leave go, that thing is going to cause damage throughout your house and a greater repair and a greater repair price tag. So this is a call to action. I tell you, now, present tense, is the time. An immediate response that does what? Creates change. How many of you have some things in your life you want God to change? Circumstances, maybe relationships, finances, whatever it might be. We all desire to see change for the better. And when we apply and understand that the promises of God are now, they're present tense, instead of waiting to a future time, someone is diagnosed with a, with a life-threatening illness, you don't say, one day I'll pray for you. You know, maybe your miracle will come sometime down the road. No, you say, Lord, now, in Jesus' name, I speak. I release healing over, whether it's their body, over someone else, just as everyone prayed for Amanda's sister. And God did what? The miraculous. She was healed, literally, 
as if it never happened. And she went into that, speaking of her sister, not knowing Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And because of the faithfulness of God, the now promises of God, in the present tense, now her name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And she is counted among the righteous. And there is a spot waiting for her. One day, not now, but one day, just like for all of us if we know the Lord, one day when our purpose is finished on this earth, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Look at the believers in the book of Acts. That whole entire book is about creating change. It's about being in the moment. It's in the present tense. That's why it's also referred to as the acts, the deeds of the apostles. It's about action. So when you understand this, again, it brings us to that point. We don't wait till tomorrow to do what God says can be done now. Sharing our faith with someone. Don't put off to tomorrow, you know, when you spend time in the Word of God. The more you read the Word of God, the more the Word of God's going to read through you. It's going to change your lifestyle. Sometimes people say, why do I continually struggle with the same thing? Why does fear just seem to be an ongoing wrestling for me? Well, faith dispels fear, amen? And when our faith is weak, fear sticks. So that means the devil is incessant. He's always clamoring his lies, isn't he? He's always throwing into, the, into our thought lives and into the narratives around us the what-ifs. If you want to dispel the what-ifs from hell, then you have to begin to speak the what-is from heaven. Present tense. Listen to me. How many of you believe the Word of God is living and active? If something's alive, that means it's active in the present tense, right? You don't need it in tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. But in the present tense, we need it now. The Word of God, it says in Hebrews, is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. It can accomplish in our body, our minds, and our spirits what no man-made device could ever, no man-made methodology could ever accomplish. I thank God for helps that are around us and resources that are available for us, you know, to assist in certain times and circumstances. Praise God for that. He does provide resources, amen? But we never want to depend on the resources He provides above depending on Him. God is in our present tense. He's with you right now. Whatever it is you're facing, He sees it, He discerns it, He knows it better than you know it. Amen? Which is why the Apostle Paul states, again, now is the time. That word for time in the Greek is the word kairos. Kairos is defined, obviously, as time, but it's also broken down. It means a season. There are seasons for everything. Don't you agree? What do you call these seasons? In our, if, if you're not dealing with farming and agriculture, you call them windows of opportunity. And there are windows of opportunity that God will send seasons, a kairos, a now time. And when we see these windows of opportunity, that's why it's imperative. Step through them. Step through them. Say yes. Because when we say yes to what God is providing, our yes to His will always brings blessing and a great return, body, soul, and spirit. God's interested in your mind, your emotions. He's interested in your relationships. He's interested in your health. 
We are the temple of the Holy Spirit as Christians, right? So that means as his temple, another definition of temple in the Hebrew and the Greek is his dwelling place, his house, his place of occupancy. So as believers, the Holy Spirit of God, he lives within us. And if he lives within us, don't you think he's interested in the house he abides in? Some of you, if you've ever purchased a home or if you're renting an apartment somewhere, if there's an issue inside, if you're renting, you call the the main office to get someone from, you know, the resource department to come up and handle the repairs or handle the fix. You know, if you own a home and there's a, a warranty on your home on certain things, you call the proper people if there is an issue. Why? Because you don't want to live in something that becomes stressful, that can even create harm if not dealt with. And spiritually, the Holy Spirit, He's the same way. He cares for us. He lives within you. He lives within me. So allow him to take care of his house. Amen? Look at the person next to you, behind you, in front of you, and say, I think we need to hear what he's saying. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you think of times and seasons, windows of opportunity, again, it also does remind us of a farmer and what they do in the fields. They plow and they sow seed. When? In the winter? In the fall? They plow and plant their seed in the spring. That's the time for sowing seed. If they miss this window of opportunity, what happens? There's no harvest. You've got to wait until the next season of sowing and plowing in order to realize a harvest when harvest time comes. And spiritually, the same principle applies to you and I. There are seasons when we need to sow, 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 sow. And then as we're faithful to honor that seed that's been sown. How do we honor that seed? Well, with regular seed in the natural, they get sunlight and rain, right? And so for us, spiritual seed, when it receives sunlight, in other words, the Word of God, times in prayer, not forsaking the assembling together as saints, attending church where we can worship at God's dinner table. Remember when David said in Psalm 23, you know, the Lord prepares for me in the presence of my enemies. What? A table. He prepares a table. What do you do at a table? What David is referencing there is a meal, being fed, receiving nutrition, which brings strength. David says, even in the midst of the battlefield, it's imperative for me to eat. Sometimes when we're going through something, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, or we feel stressed, or we have a need, we feel like we need to be out there and about trying to fix this thing that's broken. And yes, God wants us to be proactive, but listen to me, not at the expense of missing our seat at his table where we're fed. And that's how we bring what the seed of God's word needs. As we gather together, as we worship, as we lift up his name, as we hear the teaching and the preaching of his word, as we spend time in prayer, and, and as we worship, that brings the rain and the sun, the presence of God to the spiritual seed, and it will grow, speaking of his word. That seed, the Word of God will grow and, and take control over you. Amen. You know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, David says, all the days of my life. His goodness and His mercy will find you. How? By tracking you down. And even if you try to outrun the goodness and the mercy of the Lord, as we sang in one of our worship songs today, you will not be able to do it because God says, you're sowing the seed, 
You're watering the seed. You're giving sunlight, the presence of God to the seed. And His goodness and His mercy is going to hunt you down, track you down, tackle you, and bless you, even if you're saying, I don't deserve the blessing. God says, no one does, but that's why I call it grace. Give praise to God. Come on. Give Him praise. God does not want us to miss our season of blessing and breakthrough. And honestly, I don't think any of you want to miss that season. You wouldn't be here if you did. Those of you watching online, you don't want to miss your season. You wouldn't be watching and listening with this broadcast if you did. It is natural for us in the Spirit to have God and a desire for God to bless us. And guess what? He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. You see, it's God's timing. When that open window of opportunity comes, it's God's timing that opens that door for what? God's favor. The favor of God. I've prayed for a lot of things in life, but I can tell you the one thing I pray for all of the time more than anything else is, Lord, I pray that your favor would be upon my life, be upon my ministry, my marriage, my family. Pray for the favor of God. The favor of God. Scripture says it lasts a lifetime. Sometimes we can run out of money, but you'll never run out of the favor of God. And guess what? When you have the favor of God, whatever financial resource you need, it'll be there. Whatever physical or healing resource you need, it will be there. The favor of God lasts a lifetime. Paul speaks about God's favor in our text. He says, now is the time of what? God say it. Favor. Everybody say favor. Favor. God's favor. That word favor in the Greek is defined his delight, his desire, or this is the one I emphasize in like, his pleasure. The favor of God is the pleasure of God. So whatever brings God pleasure, he wants to bless us and bring that favor, that pleasure to us as well. God takes pleasure in doing what? Fulfilling his promises. Remember, we're talking about God's promise, God's word. And he takes pleasure in fulfilling that promise his word over your life. But what happens, that favor and that pleasure of the fulfillment of his word over your life can only be fulfilled and take place if you don't let go. Just like that life preserver in the water I referenced a moment ago. That thing will be a life-saving device, a floating device for you, as long as you don't let go. But the moment you let go, turn to another resource, abandon whatever has been made available to preserve your life, you'll begin to have issues and struggle. And spiritually, it's the same thing. The Word of God is the life preserver that we have that will sustain us even in deep waters during storms. But guess what? Every storm comes to an end because every season is followed by the next season. And when we are faithful to hold on to the Word of God, guess what? The Word of God will hold on to you. Amen? How many of you have ever stood on a promise when you've been going through a difficult time? A healing promise, a financial provision. Maybe you have a prodigal, husband, wife, son or daughter, child. You stand on the promise of God. What are you doing? You're believing God now for a move in that person's life. And God is always speaking. How many believe that? He's always speaking. That's why we can believe now. Now, people may postpone God's now. You know, how many of you have prayed for people and the person you're praying for just kept saying, no, 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 no. 
Even though God was saying now, 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 now. But eventually God's now outweighs and outtrumps the world's no. And then the fulfillment of God's word, his promise, God's promise comes to pass. But it's imperative. You can't let go. People say, oh, I tried the Lord. I tried this. I tried that. Didn't work. And then they just give up and they're like the seed that falls by the wayside or into the thorns and the thistles. When, when tribulation, when it comes, becomes difficult. Ah, uh, who needs this? They get lonely. They start chasing after other alternatives. And then they wonder why things multiply in a negative direction rather than a positive. Well, it's imperative. We can't let go. Hold on to the promises of God. And the promises of God will hold on to you. God's favor is everything. I'm going to encourage you, if you forget everything else I say this morning, when you leave this house, you pray and remember this. Lord, I ask that your favor would be upon my life all of the days that you have given for me. Look at David's words in Psalm 5, verse 12. For it is God who works in you both to, to will and to do for what? His good, what's that word? Pleasure. God's favor, do you know what it does? It authenticates God's word. Nobody wants to commit to something that doesn't have results. Or everything has results, but they're not always good. No one wants to commit to something that has negative results. God's favor, his positive results, his blessing, the fulfillment of his word, when that comes to fruition, that's what authenticates his promise. And when people see God honoring his word, authenticating his promise by the favor of God blessing your life, you know what it does? It attracts people who don't know the Lord or who aren't where they need to be with the Lord to want to chase after and pursue and learn more about the God you're serving. Why? Because your prayers are getting answered. You're being sustained. You're walking through hardship, and it's not destroying you. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not winning the battle against you. The world is in a lot of thick stuff. And they're looking for hope and answers. And the world doesn't have the answers. I mean, people who are trusting in the arm of the flesh. The more we see politicians taking control over the state of not only our nation but the world, the worse things become. Why? Because there is a selfish agenda connected, not with all, but with many. Whereas with God, He has one agenda. That His name be glorified and that you be blessed. That's it. It's not about any selfish motivation. It's about His glory so that others can have confidence in Him and find relationship with Him. And then you're blessed in the process. doesn't get any better than that, does it? God's favor. David understood it. Do you know God's favor also acts as an invitation? So when people see the favor of God in our lives, then that actually becomes an invitation where God is saying, what I've done for them, I desire to do for you. It's an invitation to come and to seek Him. Look at Leviticus chapter 26, verse 9. I will look on you, this is God speaking, I will look on you with what? Favor. And make you fruitful and increase your numbers 
and I will keep my covenant with you. The favor of God is based on the covenant God made. First with Abraham, and then the greatest covenant at all. The covenant of all that he made with Jesus Christ when he went to the cross and he sealed the covenant with his own blood. God's favor, again, is what authenticates your faith. You prayed, you believed, and God answered. As long as we don't release that life preserver, the promise of God, you will see the answer to that promise come to fruition, authenticating your faith. Jesus said, you will know them by what? Their fruit. Not what they say, but what they bear. If you go up to a tree, someone here says, here, taste this, and you bite into that, and that apple or that peach, whatever it might be, is bitter and, and, and just repulsive to the taste. And they say to you, isn't that tree great? Isn't that fruit great? You'd say, I don't know if your taste buds are working. Maybe you have long, long-term COVID. You're not tasting things right. But this tastes atrocious. doesn't matter how well or how much people say, it's, it's great. It's the best fruit you'll ever taste. Once you taste and once you see, you know. It's not what they say. It's what you experience. It says in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no talking involved when you taste. In fact, you can't talk or you're spitting your food on everyone around you. Did your mother ever say to you, don't talk with your mouth full, right? So there's no talking involved when you're tasting, and there's no listening involved when you're seeing. You know, a person can be impaired with their hearing, but yet their visual, their eyes, completely healthy. And so when you can't hear, what you see becomes heightened. Taste and see. Not about speech. It's about fruit telling the story. Faith speaks fruit speaks. Amen? And this is how our lives should be affecting others. Now, if you feel like you've fallen short, guess what? New day, new moment. You commit to the principles of God in the present tense. Now. Everybody say now. Praise the Lord. So let me ask, how do you taste and look this morning? Look at the person next to you. Don't say a word, but just think this question as you look at whoever. You can look at me. How does Pastor Craig look and taste today, spiritually speaking? I don't want anyone coming up to me afterwards like my dog Gus, you know, especially if I've been active and, and, and my sweat glands are producing healthy, and he comes up and he loves that taste of salt. So no one come up and, and begin to do what Gus does. But spiritually, emotionally, how do I look? How do I taste? Does my fruit, does your fruit, those of you online, does your fruit, does it speak? Fruit speaks. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, when people taste and see God's favor, you know what it does? It directs them it's like a shepherd with a sheep. What does it do? It leads them to, my closing point, God's salvation. God's salvation. Rick Warren, he said this, through salvation, your past has been forgiven. Your present is given meaning, and your future is secured. 
That's a powerful statement. Isn't this what the world is searching for? Honestly, isn't, that what, isn't this what we're searching for as well? When we find Christ, we find that. But then that ongoing process, Paul says in Philippians, work out your own salvation. He's not saying every day you've got to work to get forgiven and, and saved and born again all over, all over again. No, but he is saying what God has done for you now, present tense, begin to work out. Do your due diligence. Study to show yourself approved. Develop a prayer life. You know, get involved serving somewhere. You know what happens when you serve? You're in the game. Think of it like ping pong. What's the first thing you do in a ping pong game? The one person on the other side of the table serves the ball. They're called the server. Same thing is applicable in tennis. So they serve. There's no game unless someone serves, right? Then after they serve, if there's an opponent on the other side of the net, on the other side of the table, they return, and it goes back and forth. You're in the game. Spiritually, if we as believers aren't serving, then we're not in the game. How can we experience and enjoy the favor of God if we're not participating? We've got to serve in order to receive. When the opponent hits the ball back, you're receiving and it's the same thing when we give of our lives to Almighty God, first through salvation, then discipleship, learning His ways and beginning to make them applicable to our lives, and then being a part of worship, the long haul, not short term, but present tense. You don't go into the past, you don't go into the future, you're always living in the moment, present tense, when it comes to your commitment to God. And guess what? As long as we still have the breath of life, we're always in the present tense, Amen. And when we have that mindset, that mentality, that keeps us and positions us in that place where God can bless us. My goodness, that's what I want for my life. How about you? Again, the time for salvation, Paul says in our text, is now. Salvation opens the door, as I mentioned, for God's favor. And that empowers the promises of God. When we're in the game, when we're serving and receiving, and when we're living in the present tense, knowing it's a now moment, and this is our season, our kairos is right now, then what transpires, it empowers the promises of God not only to bring fulfillment and blessing to us, but then we become God's hand. We become God's voice. How many of you would like to lay hands on the sick and see them instantly healed by the power of the Holy Spirit? How many of you would like all of a sudden to have that right word at that right moment? Someone is even in, uh, considering, anticipating, taking their own lives, the ultimate, the ultimate you know, self-destruction, and then because without even you knowing, but because you're serving, you're in the game, you're living in the now, this is your season, your kairos, you say something, don't even understand the, the dynamic of, of the influence of maybe a few simple words. But because you didn't hold back, but you released, you gave, you were serving. You didn't allow the devil to show you his depiction of what he thinks you are. You listened and you saw the depiction and the narrative of what God says you are in the present tense, right now. God doesn't live in the past. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Isn't that what Paul says in his epistle? Forgetting those things that are behind. Don't allow your past to anchor you. Don't allow it to be a, a leash that holds you back. Know that God says now is the day of salvation, salvation, deliverance, breakthrough, 
his healing. And if you can become that voice, that hand that makes a difference in someone else, then you're not only receiving what God has for you, but you're taking what he has given you and you're giving it to others. You become part of the domino effect. As a boy, I used to set up dominoes. And I, I would do them all through the house. And I remember I'd say to my mother or my father, can you buy some more dominoes for me? I want a bigger line. And so they got me all these dominoes. And then one day, I remember, I had them set up from one room to the next and to another room. I was ready to hit that first one. And then our dog we had growing up touched one. And they all went. I said, that's not fair. It's got to be my touch. So I set them all back up again. Was finally done. Put the dog in the bathroom. <laughs> and then I went up and I took my finger. I wanted to be the one that started the chain reaction. And there, sure enough, made his way where I was to the next room and the grand finale happened in the kitchen. That's what our lives can be like. And it's all simple. It's just about touch. That domino effect would have never happened without my touch. Now, other people can touch, but God wants us to also be that point of contact, that touch. And that's what, when God grants us his favor by fulfilling his promise, then that becomes a touch point. He touches us, we touch others. And I'm not just talking about serving in the local church. But I'm also talking about in our day-to-day -day life. Be available wherever God takes you. You may be at Lowe's or Lowe's competitor, Home Depot. You might be at a restaurant. I I've been many places. And honestly, what I would look at at the most unlikely place to be a touch to the domino effect of releasing God's favor. But God shows me an opportunity. So if I want to keep being used by God, and I want to grow, and I want to become stronger and more effective, and I just say, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. The domino is set, and people are changed. Living in the now, being a fruit of God's promise. That's when people taste. That's when they see that the Lord is good. Amen. Isn't this what people again are searching for? Come and see that the Lord is good. But one day, this window, this now moment is going to come to an end. The Bible is very clear. Once the rapture of the church happens, when Jesus comes for his bride, then the church age is going to cease to exist. And then we'll move into that time of God's judgment will move from the age of grace to the age of God's judgment. And God's judgment hasn't been reserved for the righteous or even human beings. But if we don't accept, if people don't know Jesus, if they don't step in to that promise that brings His favor, His salvation, then those people will become a part of what was reserved for Satan and the wicked. And so Paul says... In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, two verses, 16 and 17, when he speaks of the rapture of the church, he says, For the Lord himself, he will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God a shafar. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Christians who have died prior to those who are still living when this event takes place. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured. Hupapazo is the Greek word, which means a snatching away, which the term rapture comes from. They will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's going to be a grand day, isn't it? But what a travesty at the same time it would be if your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your mother, father, brother, sister, or even your closest friend, they were left behind. Don't you want to be a part of the domino effect in touching them and setting a miracle in motion for their lives? You may or may not be the one who leads them in the sinner's prayer. But because you were available, because you were living present tense in the now, for the kairos, the season, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Well, maybe we need to wait till their hearts are more prepared. Maybe you will be part of the marinade that will prepare their hearts for the grand meal, the day of salvation. If they're not touched... They can't change. And that's why we become His hand extended. You see, God wants you to be His voice of salvation. Care enough to share. Care enough to share. Oh, well, they know how I am. All the more reason. People need to know, even those who have cracks, even those with flaws, even those with imperfections, who have come to know Jesus in the midst of God working out their salvation, making them more like Jesus, they still cared enough to share. And you become a personal testimony. Hey, if he or she's doing it, I can too. Care enough to share. I posted this yesterday on Facebook and also on LinkedIn. And God gave this to me while I was in prayer and I was just finalizing the message that I had for today. And he said this to me, true Christianity isn't about imitating the world. It's about inspiring the world to be imitators of Christ. I think that's good counsel from God. So many times we get bored, we get lonely, and we imitate the world as Christians. We start doing what they do. If they were so happy and content with their lifestyles, then why is there so much substance abuse? Why is there so much depression and mental illness because of the unfulfilled promises that they've encountered in life apart from God? Why are they taking their own lives? Why are they going from one relationship to the next to the next? If what the world has to offer is so great, then why are they dissatisfied? Their pleasures or only for a moment, whereas the pleasures of God will not only last a lifetime, but throughout eternity as well. The world doesn't have what you need. They don't. I used to chase after that before I knew Jesus. When he opened my eyes, here I am 50 plus 
years later. And God is still all I need. And even more so, all I want. He works. His fruit in my life speaks. He's faithful. In fact, think of it this way. The world doesn't have what you need. You have what the world needs. Sometimes if people are strong in their opposition against you, that just means they're testing you to see if what you have is really the real deal. And when you withstand their opposition, when you withstand their objections, that just shows them all the more you're standing on solid ground. Amen? Don't be fooled by what the devil interjects into your thought processes. You have what people need. And the more you fill your mind with God's promise, the more you'll believe that. And you will be like that doctor in a moment. Is there a doctor here? Just like when I went through the grocery store, a woman was laying on the floor looking lifeless. I've shared this before. And they said to me, I walked by two people with this body laying lifeless. They said, are you a doctor? I said, no, but I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have the power of God, and I'll pray for her. And she was revitalized, opened her eyes. The EMTs came in. They said, Rev, what are you doing here? We had just had a uh, first responders event at the church, and this happened like on a Thursday after that Sunday. Fruit speaks. And God heard my prayer. I prayed God's promise. Not mine. God's promise. His word works. And if you believe that, you'll exercise it. And if you exercise it, you'll see it. You have what the world needs. You can't make them choose. But you can give them an opportunity. You can give them a choice. Give them God's promise. Give them Jesus. That's it. That's it. Holy Spirit, it's my prayer. Lord, it's the cry of my heart that this word would find good soil. Lord, you are so desperately looking for those who will answer the call and will live in the now, live in the present as you are always in the present. Lord, I pray let this be a rhema. Let this be a revelation. Let this be life-changing. Lord, I pray in your son's precious name. Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.